Welcome to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author, Christine Carlson. Chris shares don't sweat wisdom to help you achieve greater mental health, self-compassion, and better communication with family, friends, and coworkers. Listen in and learn simple ways to live your most vibrant life of joy. Hi, and welcome back to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast. This is Christine Carlson. Before we begin our topic today, let's go ahead and take our golden pause. So wherever you are, sit comfortably. If you're seated Indian style on the floor, great. Place your palms upright, open on your lap with your shoulders back, leaning back against something. If you're seated in a chair, please uncross your legs and place your palms open on your lap. Let's go ahead and begin to breathe together. If you're doing something, multitasking, doing something while listening, driving, or whatever, just use this as a deep breathing exercise to get present in your body and present in your gratitude. All right, let's begin. Go ahead and take a deep breath in. Breathing in through your nose, allowing your chest and your belly to expand. Ah, and just exhale and feel yourself relax and let go. This time as you breathe in, breathe in golden sunlight, pure golden sunlight to the tips of your fingers and toes, to the top of your head, to your heart, to every cell of your being. And as you exhale, just go ahead and feel your body relax a little more. This time, as you breathe in pure golden sunlight, filling your heart, your lungs, your whole body with pure golden sunlight, place your hand on your heart, activating your heart, opening your heart, and just spend a moment there breathing in this golden sunlight and exhaling and letting go. This time as you breathe in golden sunlight, as your hand is on your heart, think of one thing that you feel incredibly grateful for. Could be just one simple thing. As you allow yourself to focus on that one moment of gratitude, that one thing, Just breathe in that golden gratitude to every cell of your being. Fill your heart with gratitude and exhale and let go. Breathing in that golden gratitude, filling your heart, your lungs, your core, everything with gratitude. You might let a smile cross your face. And as you exhale, let go and open your eyes. I don't know about you, but every time I do that golden pause, it just makes me feel so grounded and so centered, which is one of the reasons I always do it before I'm going to speak or I'm going to do something like this, because then I can give you so much more of me than you'd ever get if I didn't do that. So I hope you feel it too. I'm really excited to do this interview with you today. As part of our Calm Down and Come Alive series, I've invited Rob Clark to come and share his point of view and his um, 
philosophy of resilience because there's never been a time more than now than we need everything we can on resilience. Rob Clark is a professional speaker and author, and he focuses on real-world resilience. His latest book, Everyday Resilience for Everyday Heroes, is now out, which is so exciting. Rob has over 25 years of direct sales experience and has become one of the leading authorities on resilience in the workplace. Rob has been the subject of numerous articles and podcasts. His weekly blog, The Resilient Worker, has reached hundreds and thousands of readers over the past five years. Rob brings the power of Resilient Worker blog to life with keynote and personalized speeches, and he has delighted both Fortune 500 companies, small companies, and every size of company in between with his wit, charm, and sincerity. Designed to create a more resilient workplace environment, Rob speaks to sales, leadership, operations, and company culture with engaging anecdotes and powerful imagery. Each talk is based on his four facets of resiliency. I'm so excited to hear about these. Adversity, passion, perspective, and appreciation. Well, Rob, welcome. We are so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, thank you for having me, Christine. It's a real thrill for me, so I really appreciate it. Super excited for today. Well, I was really excited to talk to you once I had had you reach out to me, and I thought it would really be a great place to begin with how you got into the resiliency profession and your own personal story. Yeah, no, absolutely. I do appreciate that. So I've um, always been just naturally an upbeat guy, always try to stay positive. As you mentioned, the 25 years sales experience, a lot of times around the water cooler talk, you'll see... Uh, you know, general negativity, somebody uh, questioning management or questioning another salesperson's tactics or questioning the client. And I always wanted to bring that positivity to the office. And um, quite frankly, I haven't told you this yet, but it was um, don't sweat the small stuff. Uh, way back when I read a copy of that in the early 90s, and I'm sorry, the late 90s, and it absolutely kind of changed my life, changed my perspective. And it broke things down to such bite-sized chunks and made me want to go after this and want to start writing about it. I've always been a writer. I started my blog just with the idea of, hey, I'm just going to share 500 words of positivity a week around a story. You know, much the way that Don't Sweat the Small Stuff is around a particular story. I thought that was the best way to get to people. And lo and behold, I, I didn't plan for this, but my audience grew and grew and grew and someone said, hmm, this is really good. You should think about uh, writing a book. So uh, I started putting the book idea together. I started speaking just locally in the Washington, D.C. area. And uh, it all came together. And I realized this was my calling. This was my passion. So um, it, it, it was not a planned event, right? But it's just this natural positivity and energy really translated well to this field. And uh, it's been a, a beautiful thing for me to share, share my story. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I got to tell you, you have the same kind of look Richard had and that all American clean cut look that you have. And, um, and I think that's wonderful. I know Richard would be really thrilled that he played a small role in introducing you to your lifelong colleague. So I can't tell you how many times I hear that actually. It's, it's profound, you know, that that little book really did um, remarkably change lives and, and, you know, just we're ever so grateful. Um, so that brings us to your, your study of resiliency. 
And I would love to hear, you know, with all of the um, things that we're faced with today, and it just seems like we wake up one day and we've sort of started to get used to dealing with the pandemic. And then it depends on what part of the country you're in, but, you know, we're all having to face different challenges on top of the pandemic right now, on top of an economic crisis that's being felt globally and on top of a political climate that's about ready to drive us all nuts. So this is just a perfect time for us to launch into this discussion about how do we um, access our resilience and how do we calm down? No, absolutely. And it's, you know, you have the, certainly the pandemic, as you mentioned, the, the political environment. I know you're dealing with the wildfires on the, on the West Coast. Uh, the economy, it is the perfect time for resilience and the perfect time to kind of step back and realize that it's it's okay to be calm in this type of environment. And uh, nobody wishes these things, right? No, nobody wishes ill will on anyone. No one wishes roadblocks. No one wishes these kinds of um, maladies on society, but they are a natural part of that. And I think understanding that, understanding that, um, Yes, you can have a positive attitude and that's great, but it takes more than a positive attitude to overcome these types of situations, whether it's personal resilience, something small that happens to you on the local level, you know, you lose your job, you're having trouble at work, you're having trouble on the home front, or these more global uh, calamities that we, uh, that we describe. You know, it's that adversity that's going to be there. You know, you can wish it away all you want, you can try to hide from it, but at some point in your life, you're gonna face this adversity and, uh, and you need to have the tools and the equipment to deal with it when it does happen. And it's certainly upon us now. Absolutely. And I love what you said, that it's, it's okay to be calm, you know, because I think our natural inclination as a society is, is not necessarily calm. But I want to just say, you know, my point to that, too, is that when you're calm, you're able to access the wisdom, the, the plan, the strategy, the kinds of parts of your brain that you need in order to really deal with what you might have to deal with, which is an emergency at some point. And, and I think that really does speak very much to um, the idea that it's not that bad things uh, are not going to happen to you or didn't happen to you, but it is how you proceed forward in the face of adversity that will determine really what your next steps are and also what your life is going to look like, you know? So I, I love that you, that, that I wanted to highlight that because that is precisely why I've decided to do this series at this time. No, so I'm let's, so glad, I'm so glad you are, by the way, this is a great thing. Oh yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. So that brings us to like your very first um, concept and, and that is adversity you know, that, yeah, we do face um, adversity and, and, and we're in an, a time where we're facing different adversities all the time right now. And so let's, let's just go on and talk a little bit about more about what is your solution to that. Sure. Thanks. So on the adversity side, you know, it's interesting. I mean, generally, in general, you know, human beings are conditioned to sort of curl up into a ball when they, when they face adversity. And in the very beginning of facing that adversity, that's okay. You, know, you need to protect yourself. You, know, you can go into that shell mode, but the longer you stay there, the harder it is to come out of it. And I talk about this concept of uh, facing your monsters, right? The monsters in the closet. You can hear them banging and banging and banging. 
And the longer you ignore them, the louder they become. I tell one story of my daughter, um, my youngest daughter, Cassidy, uh, seven years old, going to the uh, beach. Oh, yeah, and you have four kids, don't you? Got, You've got four of them. <laughs> I got, we have a very resilient household right now. That, that's a very brave soul. My, my daughter's got you beat. She has five. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, she can have that record. Uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> four is a blessing, that's for sure. Five, even more of a blessing. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, it definitely, uh, it, it tries your uh, patience and tries your resilience. And my youngest yeah. is at the beach looking to jump in the water. And she just kept getting scared by this wave, these waves coming at her, you know, and they were little tiny waves. And to me, I'm like, come on, just go in the water. I'm trying to be a good parent, encouraging her. But in her mind, she would get close and run away. Finally, we encouraged her to kind of dive into the wave and get beyond it. And as soon as she did that, she loved it. It opened up a whole new world beyond the waves where it was so much fun with her and she played all day. And that's kind of where we are when adversity hits. It seems like the whole world is this giant wave coming at us and we can't overcome it. And the only way to do it is to dive right in. There's no shortcut. There's no other way you can do it. But if you dive right in, if you lean into that adversity, you're going to find something beautiful on the other side. So you can curl into a ball for a little bit, but eventually you got to come back out and strike back and attack. And that's what that's the first step to resiliency right there is stepping forward in the face of adversity. I like to say it's like there's this choice point that you have and and, it, and then you kind of vacillate and you move back and forth between it. And that is you're either going to be a victim of what's happened or you're going to stand in it and be a victor. And I like to, you know, think that um, we do move back and forth between that mindset. You know, it's not the same every day. And you certainly don't want to shame yourself when you are feeling in those victimized places. But to me, resiliency isn't about the bad things that happen. It's about how quickly you bounce up, you know, like from the things that happen. And so certainly um, I am in the total agreement that you have to lean in to um, the situation, lean into the fear that it presents because there's no other way. You have to get up. I remember when, um, when I lost Richard and it was so sudden, you know, he, he just died so suddenly. And, um, and I remember just immediately being aware of this need to make it real for myself because he, he died when he was away from home. He was on a flight. I knew I was never going to see him again. And I knew that that would present this, this obstacle to my level of acceptance of what happened. And so I remember just saying to myself, you need to go to his address book and you need to call every single person that he knew and you need to tell them what happened. And that's how you're going to make it real for yourself. Right. And, and people couldn't believe I was calling them, you know, that day to let them know before the news hit, you know, because then they would be on the news and they would see that he had died. And I didn't want that. I knew that he wouldn't want the people that he loved and cared about to want that. So that was my way of leaning in immediately. And there's nothing like repeating a hundred times <laughs> for it to sink in immediately. I didn't go into denial like a lot of people talk about. Yeah. Talk, about talk about making it real. You can't deny it when you say it that many times. Yeah. No, no, for sure. So yeah, that's a really, that's very powerful to, to lean into whatever it is that is creating this adversity for you. And then your next step is um, passion. Tell me about that one. 
Yeah. So passion, you know, I use that. You think about it, you lean in, you think about, you know, your situation with losing a loved one or even, you know, a smaller situation, let's say losing a job, whatever it is, you know, you lean in first, right? And then it takes passion. When I use the word passion, it's not like follow your passion, it's effort. You, know, you, have, you have to be passionate about overcoming this. No one's going to do it for you. That's why I say it takes more than an upbeat attitude to be resilient. You have to put in the work. You have to put in the effort for overcoming that. And, and ultimately, you have to own it. And it's hard. I mean, it's really hard um, to do that. But if you're passionate about it, if you know and your mindset is, I'm going to get over this, I'm going to bounce back quickly, I'm going to deal with the reality that's out there, um, that mindset and that passion for doing the work um, is a key, key step. Because now it's ownership, it's accountability, and it's moving forward. And you may have done nothing wrong. I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong, but it's taking accountability for the situation that you've been put in for whatever reason. And that effort and that passion is a key step because it allows you, you know, you've leaned in, but now you're really moving forward when you own it and you put that effort in. Yeah, I mean, I like to say that's like um, fully taking responsibility for not that the thing that happened to you happened, but that you take responsibility for how you step in. And um, for me, you know, that kind of looked like, for me, it was like um, getting up every day, you know, like for me, I, I thought I was doing a pretty good job just by getting up out of bed every day initially. <laughs> and, and, you know, seeing my kids off to school. And then for me, it was, it was leaning into what I was going through was also about um, accepting where I was and not, not pretending that I wasn't where I was, not pretending that life was going to go back to normal. Um, but immediately just for me, it was about taking responsibility, you know, for my kids, making sure they had everything they needed to go through grief, making sure that, you know, their, their education system was supporting them. Um, you know, these were the, the initial steps that I took to own the situation and to be responsible for moving forward. Um, and it didn't mean that I wasn't curled up in a ball a lot of times because, that's just part of grieving. That's just part of going through, you know, really a really huge. And I mean, I think there's only two, you know, kinds of things that really can put us on the ground like that. And, and, you know, we're two major losses. And I think losing our parents is a huge loss. Losing your spouse is the, is a, is a really huge loss and losing a child is the worst loss. So, you know, when you're dealing with the loss of a loved one, this is like, there's nothing that's going to test your resilience stronger, but there's so many other things like, like what the, what America's going through right now. You know, what do you say to somebody who just got, you know, who completely got lambasted like the rest of us with this pandemic and they lost their job, you know, and now they're looking at, they've never been in a food line before, but they're in a food line and what, how do you talk to that person about, about you know, resiliency and, and, and taking passion? Because I think that would be a really powerful um, place for us to go right now. No, absolutely right. And I'm glad you mentioned, you know, curling up into a ball. Because I, I write about this. I talk about this all the time where I say it is okay. And in fact, warranted, right, to protect yourself for some amount of time. Like resiliency is not about just powering through or sucking it up and just being tough and standing against that wind and being that giant oak. You know, it's hard. I mean, it's really hard and it's okay to tell yourself that it's hard and it's okay to be in a super vulnerable place. 
Um, that's humanity. And in fact, you're not going to get through it unless you recognize that you're hurt, you know, and that you need to move forward. And, you know, whether it is a loss of a loved one or that person in the bread line, they realize that it is difficult. And, you know, it kind of leads to um, the next sort of facet, which is perspective. You know, if you think about perspective, I, I don't know why it just triggered when you mentioned the person in the food line. Um, can I tell a quick story here? Absolutely. No, I'm sure. No, absolutely. It just triggered in my head. So um, I was on Capitol Hill doing some lobbying. You know, I'm, I'm, I live outside of Washington, D.C., so I often go down there doing some lobbying. And we got some really bad news about a client. And it was going to negatively impact my sales. I knew this news you know, was not going to be good for me personally. I wasn't necessarily thinking about my client like I should have. And I was like, hmm. We're probably not going to make as much money next year because of this news. So we get out of the meeting. I'm feeling very selfish and self-absorbed. We get into the back of a cab. This was, you know, before the time of Uber and all that. Get to the back of a DC yellow cab. And uh, it's uh, the taxi drivers from uh, Sierra Leone. And he's like, oh, my friend, why do you look so sad? You know, like that. And I'm just thinking, I, I don't have time for this. Like, I'm sorry, I can't talk to you right now. He goes, come on, it can't be so bad. What is it? You know, and so I said, okay, fine. You know, I got some bad news about a client. He goes, okay, but you're healthy? I go, yeah. And your family as well? I go, yeah. He goes, look, I'm from Sierra Leone, as you might be able to tell. He goes, we have a saying there that you don't complain about your shoes when your neighbor has no feet. You know, and right away, it was just this bucket of cold water over my head. Like, okay, you know, it's not so bad, you know, like, the, the important things are there. That perspective is there. Family is there. My friends are there. My health is there. You know, and sometimes we need little reminders like that, whether they're, you know, kind of divine, you know, coming at by, by circumstance or whether they're just little reminders in your life. And I think about that person in the breadline. I mean, that's really hard. I think about me losing some income, you know, because of the pandemic, you know, not in a breadline, you know, it could certainly be worse. No matter where we are in life, we have to remember there are others out there. We're all connected in the universe. And um, it's not as bad as it seems if you can step back and take that perspective. Yeah, I mean, and let's talk about the pandemic perspective for a moment. Because, boy, has that, I don't know about you, but I just had a massive reset in such a powerful way. And in a lot of ways, like I think about personally, I was really asking for some kind of reset to happen in my own world like I'm just like completely out of control <laughs> just doing everything you know traveling everywhere and you know just doing 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 and boy when that that first couple of weeks hit I was just I mean I kind of like sunk in and I was like oh thank god a pandemic <laughs> yeah. like, exactly. like I, I mean most people did not say that but even though I also I had to, you know, I lost a lot of income in my retreat business. I have a six-figure retreat business that I run every year. That was wiped out. Um, and, you know, I had to also do a big pivot in my business and, and you know, make some cutbacks. And But even that, you know, I thought, what else is going to force me to really take a deep look into my finances, into, like, learning um, a different way of spending right now? I mean, I, I suddenly, after, like, six months have all this money that I haven't spent because I have this, because I haven't been doing all the things I do to spend money. And now I'm able to like 
do like put a, a do some things to my home that I've been waiting to do. And I'm starting to just see that, wow, I really needed this reset. I really, but that, see, like even being able to see that, that's about having perspective, you know, like it takes a person that can step back from the situation and really look for the positive, even amidst the the, the horrible negativity of, of the huge changes that this has, um, you know, incurred globally, you know, it, on an individual basis, we have that ability. And I just want to say, as far as calming yourself down, that when you can do that, like that, that, that is the epitome of, of, of really understanding what the pause means is being able to stop and look and, and really gather in all the information and try in that whole process to figure out, you know, how is this thing happening for me instead of to me? And how can I make this work on my behalf? The people that I've known that have done that in this situation, myself included, I'm having some crazy opportunities come my way right now that would never have come, I don't think, if I had just been so busy and not stopped. And, and I think, you know, that's, that's the situation that we can all be in, in a lot of ways, is just to realize that so much of our lives are run by this ability to keep it in perspective. So, of course, I love that. I love that you said that. No, that's, that's so true. And what you said around the pandemic is so true, too, because it takes away so many things. And if you focus on the things that it takes away from, you're going to find more things that it takes away from. You're going to get more bitter. You're not going to be as calm, that's for sure. In fact, you're going to get agitated, and then you're going to get bitter, and then you're going to lash out you know, against your loved ones, against people that really mean anything to you. And if you just take a step back and you look at the perspective, you say, I realize this is not a good thing, right? So you don't want to sugarcoat and say, I'm so glad you know, that we're suffering this worldwide pandemic. No, people, no. People, people are suffering, right? And, and that, that makes sense. Um, but if you can find the good in what has happened, that reset button, maybe it's more family time at home. You know, maybe it's not getting on an airplane every single week. Maybe it's taking a step back and realizing you can think about your life in a different way, restructure things, get your priorities straight. Whatever it is, there are good things to come from this. Again, I'm not saying this is a good thing, what's happening. But you can find the good in it if you're looking for it. It depends what you're looking for, right? And that's yeah. perspective. That is so true. It really just does depend on the lens with which you're viewing the world. And, and you know, and you, you have to, man you really have to create that lens for yourself because nobody else is going to do it for you. So, but the beauty of our brains and our minds is that we really can make a shift in an instant. And that's always, you know, been at the premise of our work in Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, you know, that we are resilient by nature. We just learn how not to be resilient. I, that's so funny. I didn't realize that was a central tenet, but I do talk about that all the time. That, you know, we're born resilient and life knocks us out, sometimes knocks it out of us as we go along. So you got to hold on to that natural resiliency. It's not you've got to go find resiliency. Hold on to what you have. So true. So true. So let's go. Let's talk about the last of your four principles. Yes, indeed. So appreciation. So appreciation to me, and you'll see, you know, if you've written, you know, when you read things that I write about and I speak, appreciation is the strongest tenant of the four in terms of resiliency. As I say, resiliency is a team sport. 
We think we can do it alone. We think we can be tough and weather the storm, and we shouldn't want to do that. I, I, it's very admirable, right, to try to do that. You don't want to bother other people when you were down, but the universe wants to support you and they want to help you. Your inner circle wants to help you. And the more you can turn to that and the more you can appreciate your inner circle, your loved ones, friends, colleagues, um, whoever it is, um, the better off you're going to be. And the more appreciation you can have, the more it comes your way. You're not appreciating people to get something in return, but when you do that, it comes back in droves and you'll need it. Because as we said at the top, everyone goes through adversity. You're going to need your support group at some point. So showing that appreciation and understanding you can't do it alone is, uh, is really, I think, the strongest tenant of the four. And I have, uh, you know, one of my mentors I've come to know is Roger Staubach. And he has this incredible saying. He says, look, it's okay to have ambition. You know, people are like, oh, he's ambitious. She's ambitious. They must be terrible people. No, it's okay to have ambition, but you have to bring someone with you, right? You have to reach back down and help that person up and bring them along and then appreciate the people that bring you along. You know, it's such an underappreciated skill, appreciation. And uh, I think it's so powerful and it can transform lives. So that one, I'm sorry, I'm rambling on a little bit about that. Not at all. It's so um, important to me that this this, uh, act of appreciation and uh, showing appreciation and then giving appreciation. Yeah, I I think that there's nothing quite like um, when you're, if you're low ever, but you have to reach down to somebody who's lower and you have to give your hand to them and, and, and pull them out. Um, that's just an incredible thing because as you pull them out, you have to get stronger and you do. And I did this, um, I did this talk for a group last year. It was a group of widows and widowers and it was at this place called Camp Widow. And there were, um, 400 grieving people in the same room. And I have never stood, um, in an audience and felt the brevity of their souls. Like I did that day. And I, I, at the last minute, I just had this thought about what could I do that would really show them that? And so it was so cool because I had, um, I had the room set up where it was in um, theater style. And so everybody was, there was only like an aisle between. And I had a person at one end um, stand up. She was the leader of the organization. And, and I walked over to the end person on my side, on the other side. And I, um, his name was Herbert. And I think I, I went and I said, Herbert, I'm going to lift you out of your chair and I'm going to look you in the eyes and I'm going to say, I've got you. You're going to get through this. And I wanted every single person in the room to turn to the person next to them and do the same thing until the whole room quietly went through this exercise and then we're standing and, and the whole room was standing together. And it was so powerful. It was a mind blower, you know, because people just really understood that, that as they stood together in grief and this loss, that they were stronger. And so I I love that you said that because, of course, that is such a a beautiful part of resiliency and, and knowing that your community is with you and that you are with your community. I have to say, um, I felt that with this whole pandemic, too, because 
knowing that the entire world has had to deal with the exact same problem at the exact same time with an invisible, you know, kind of, um, you know, circumstance, the virus, it just, it just really did make me feel like we were all connected and in a really powerful way. Um, I sure hope like America gets to that point where America can feel connected in all this political unrest that we're going through too, because, you know, it's all of these things, um, even for me, and I really do, I, I went to the Amen Clinic and um, had my brain scanned as part of my podcast. I really wanted to do some brain research. And one of the things that um, my brain showed and through all the tests I took was out of a, um, a scale of zero to 10, I was a 9.5 on the resiliency scale. And yeah, and so, um, and, and it showed in my brain, it showed how my brain works. It showed in my, you know, all the, the battery of tests that I took. And, um, and yet even me, as resilient as I am and as peaceful and as calm and as how, how I really have this ability to gain perspective very quickly and very instantly from a lifetime of practicing health, mental health and well-being, but even me during this time when, when I, I mean, when I'm told like, boy, you better keep your phone on because you might have to get evacuated from a fire, (laughs) you know, I'm in California. So, and, and then, you know, and I, you know, I, I can't help but worry about my aging parents, um, with the pandemic and, you know, and, and then of course my daughter's they're both, I have two daughters and of course they've been very stressed through this pandemic. So there's just, there's a lot, we're contending with a lot right now. And even me, I can get that underpinning of anxiety sometimes. Like I'm like, Whoa, there's like this little thread of like anxiousness that I'm feeling in my gut. And, you know, when I do that, when I feel that I start meditating more And I start to go inward into my breath because I realize that there is a lot that my mind can get wrapped up around and caught up on right now. And so I really want to quiet down, go inward, tune into gratitude and pause because that really helps me ground and center. And I'm just just reminded of something that one of my dear friends, um, who's a leader in personal growth too, um, Karen Salmonson says, and it's one of, she's kind of a wordsmith. And she calls it, when you can see the blessing in the lesson, it's called a blessing. <laughs> the blessing, I hadn't heard that. I'm writing that one down. Yeah, just be sure you quote her, because that's really her word. <laughs> I won't take credit for it, I promise. Yeah, um, yeah. I always quote her on that one, because she's such a wordsmith. But No, um, that's great. And it's funny, you touched on something there with the... Um, you know, with the pandemic and the political divides and things like that and talking about staying calm, you know, one of the things that helped me, I had an early, I mentioned the 25 year sales experience. My very first sales manager was this guy named Dave Brooks. And I was trying to set up this, um, a way to get more, I was selling office supplies. I was trying to get more people to come, you know, buy my office supplies. I said, Hey, am I allowed to like throw a party? Could I rent out a place and throw a party and invite them? And he just kind of looked at me. He's like, look, if it's not illegal or immoral, just go for it. Just go for it. You know, and I think about that, like when I look at people that might have different views from me or I get like agitated by seeing something on the news, I say, "Okay, well, what they're saying, is that illegal or immoral? No, it's not. 
you know, so don't get upset by it. It's, it's cool. You know, just, just let that one go. They're not trying to hurt anyone. They're not trying to kill anyone. It's not immoral. It's just different, you know, from the way that I think. So instead of getting agitated, it's a great way to calm down. It just reminded me when you're talking about the political divides and things happening with the pandemic, it's so easy to go into that spiral. And again, that's perspective. It's stepping back out of it and saying, why is this impacting my mood? Why am I letting myself get upset by reading this article? You know, I mean, one tactic is just not to read anything and, you know, uh, shut yourself off from it. And that's perfectly fine. But if you are going to engage in the world, it's just realizing, look, if it's not illegal or immoral, it's cool. Just you know, don't sweat it and step back. And I think that's a good way to, to, to stay calm when things are so black and white right now. You know, no one's really embracing the gray. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I just want to um, plug your book, the new book that's coming out a little bit before we have to um, close down. This has just been such a wonderful conversation. And so, Rob, um, tell us about your new book and where everyone can find it. Sure, absolutely. So it's Everyday Resilience for Everyday Heroes. And as we're recording this, it officially comes out today. So it was fortuitous that we scheduled this. So September 15th, um, it is now out. You can get it in local bookstores. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it at Barnes and Noble. Um, anywhere books are sold, as they say. So um, I'm super thrilled about it. It has these four tenets of resiliency. It has about uh, 15 stories, very short stories per uh, tenant. And then it has a resilient profile at the end of each one on a, a local hero, you know, uh, teachers, um, firefighters, superintendents, coaches, um, that type of thing. You know, just to highlight that resiliency is not reserved for the rich and famous. It's not reserved for the catastrophic. Resiliency has to happen every day in everyday lives. So I love that. What about your website? Where can we find out more about your blog? Sure. So www.resilientworker.net. I have new material that comes out every Monday morning at 8 a.m. You can sign up to receive that email. No spam whatsoever. Just short, no advertising, short stories of inspiration every Monday. And you can see a link to the book there as well. You can find out more about me, my beautiful wife, my four wonderful children, and my amazing dog, Parker, right there. All right. Well, we're so excited that you came on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Rob. And we look forward to buying your book and reading your book. And um, boy, the world just really needs these messages right now. So I want to thank you so much for your work and just best of luck to you. Thanks again. Thank you, Christine. It was a real thrill for me to be on. I really appreciate it. And I hope we talk again soon. All right. All right, everyone, don't sweat the small stuff. We are living the big stuff. Please come back again and share this episode with your friends and family. And you can find Rob's um, link to his book in the notes. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Are you feeling anxious and overwhelmed by recent global events? This is the perfect time to learn how to access your mental health and well-being. And the good news is, you can rewire your brain to feel calmer during this unsettling time. With Christine's new Don't Sweat the Small Stuff Happiness Training Course, you can be mindful, practicing mindfulness for clarity and calm. You'll learn how to develop your mindfulness practice from the comfort of your own living room with mindfulness teacher, Dr. Shauna Shapiro. Now you can enjoy two happiness training courses for only $29.99 at don'tsweat.com.